0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Hey guys, welcome to the Wickhackers Podcast with me, Daniel Coy, where I will be taking you behind the scenes of the hair side of the entertainment industry. You never know where my rants will go, so stay tuned. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
0: Before we start this episode, if you haven't installed this already, go to the Apple App Store and download the Broadway Podcast Network app. This podcast, as well as BPN's vast library of other top theater adjacent live events, storytelling, audio plays, everything is all right there in the app. It integrates the YouTube channel. You can configure push notifications. It's got full integration with Apple CarPlay, so you can listen safely in your car. You can also add non-BPN podcast to the app so we can replace all of your existing antiquated podcast apps. So make sure to check out the Broadway Podcast Network app in the Apple App Store now or get it easily by visiting bpn.fm slash app.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to the Wig Hackers podcast. And this is a treat. I am so excited. I'm a little nervous, but I'm also so excited because I have Debbie Young, a makeup artist and designer with over 47 titles under her makeup belt in the industry. Oh my gosh, yes, welcome. Honk, honk. I need like a horn. Holy. (laughs) Thank you. Ah, ah, ah. I'm so excited.
2: Thank you. It is truly my pleasure to be here with you.
1: This is so good. (laughs) We are, oh, so let's, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to like, how did you get started? I want to know where you started. We can get back into how we met up, but I want to know how you started. How did you get into makeup?
2: It's, it's really crazy because I've been interested in makeup since I was a little girl. You know, my dad was a barber. So a lot of times on the weekends, we would go to his barber shop and he would babysit us you know, because he had to work on Saturdays and my mom had to work on Saturdays. She worked in the medical system, but he had his own business. So we would go to his barbershop and hang out with him for the day, you know, so that, and then, you know, and I would, we would just be in the chair and I would be rubbing potions and lotions on everybody. And then there was sometimes he would have us, there was a movie theater around the corner from his barbershop. And he would take us around there, and the ushers would babysit us while we watched the movie. you know, but it was just fun because we were always you know we were we were just exposed to so many things that were just so natural. you know, it was just natural for me to be there, natural for me to see what he did. And I was always just so attracted to it. I would always play on my mother's dressing table. Or my my older cousin's dressing table and use their Maybelline eyeliner and their Jergens lotion, and, but I didn't know that it, it was a hobby. It was just something that brought me joy. And I and over the years, by the time I got to my teen years, my girlfriends would want me to do their makeup, and you know, and you go to school, graduate, all that stuff, and then while working, not in makeup. You know, I was working in other jobs. I worked for the police department for five years and was doing ladies makeup in the bathroom, you know, so it it was just crazy. I did it as a hobby, but what I noticed was that when somebody got about in my chair, they always felt better about themselves. So it became a tool for me for raising self-esteem and it was a hobby that evolved into this. I never even thought about being a makeup artist for the film industry. As a matter of fact, my dad said to me when I was about nine or 10 years old, a movie was going off and he said to me, your name will be in credits. And I asked him, I said, what are credits? You know, and then he showed me, these are all the people who worked on the film. And I you know and I never thought about it again until I got into the industry because it wasn't something that I was after and it just all came like word of mouth I was working at Saks Fifth Avenue and one of my clients was a writer for a Washington newspaper Washington Times Washington Post and she asked me if I could do her makeup she was guest hosting a television show and she said they won't pay you but they'll give you a screen credit so I said, okay, and I did it. And then in doing so, when the host came back, he decided to keep me. And then it just went on from there, word of mouth. And uh, I think one of the first actors and actresses I worked with was Tim and Daphne Reed. I don't know if you remember Tim Reed from WKRP in Cincinnati, uh-huh. Sister Sister Frank's Place, yes. and his wife was Aunt Viv on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Bel-Air. So. It was crazy. So then I started doing things for them. And then it just went on from there. And eventually I got into the union
1: because, you know, it evolved. So a lot of my listeners are, they're wig makers. They want to get union. Like everyone wants to be union. What was your experience? With getting into the union, I know I talk about it a lot, but as the makeup end, you know, like what is what is that like on your end? You know, because I know it can be a little stressful, but like, give give me the lowdown. Give them the lowdown. Well, you now see
2: this is the thing. So I I I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, and so Baltimore is not New York. It's not L.A. Okay, Mm -hmm. we had union here, studio mechanics. And I remember asking, I think, one of the union members about joining the union. And I don't know if it was just because they didn't know, you know, that they don't cover makeup and hair. But I joined the union here, which I thought was covering me. So I had paid dues into this union that did not negotiate any deals for makeup and hair people, (laughs) anything. You know, I just thought the costume department was under them. So, you know, and so I think they maybe thought that that was the way I should go. But when I found out that they did not represent me, they, you know, they could not negotiate anything, you know, for me anyway. So I called the national union and said, hey, (laughs) I've paid dues into this union for so many years and I'm a makeup artist and I've just found out that they don't even cover me, you know, as far as, you know, to to fall under the, the, the bylaws and stuff for the union. And so the national union actually grandfathered me in because I had paid so many years of dues into this other union for, and, and I had, I did have some experience under my belt, but I had to pay a certain amount of money also to join, oh, you right. know, e- right. So, and that's how I got in, you know, but it wasn't because I was trying to circumvent mm-hmm. what I was supposed to do, but I think they felt that they had to, I guess, make amends, you know, for mm-hmm. all the years I paid and it did not even cover me. <laughs> years. It's crazy.
1: I always, so wondered. Wow
2: yeah but but this is what i advise for for makeup artists today yes okay and this is and this because i did not want this to ever happen to anybody else again you get it oh so i did not so what i would do so when someone would come to me and they say they wanted to be a makeup artist in the film industry and they weren't in the union how to get in the union so what i would tell them is do as many jobs as you can with moving pictures. I said, the union doesn't care if you're a wedding makeup artist. They don't care about photo shoots. They wanna know that you've done commercials, industrials, you know, anything that you can do that's moving. Now, I said, now there are some production companies, like I said, I think NFL Films, I said ESPN, Mm. uh, the NBA, they weren't union at that time, and I don't know if they are now, I said, but try to get jobs in those, In CNN at that time. You know, I said, try to get jobs in those areas, write a cover letter, introducing yourself. And most often they have a list of makeup artists that they use. However, just let them know to please put you on their list, just in case they don't have someone for the day, you might get called. And and you know, and if you have an ESPN or a CNN or NFL films or the NBA on your resume, you know, the union recognizes it, yeah. you know? So, you know, and just do as many projects you can do. And I even told them to like, if you had a university in your area that had a film or theater course or yeah. curriculum to try to associate yourself with that because young filmmakers come out of those programs and you can, you know, put yourself into a circle of people who will be doing films regularly. And because you guys start out together, you know, you can very much end up together doing a lot of big things. Oh, my gosh.
1: That, so what would you suggest for someone? I know ugh, they, the, the, the YouTube University, you love YouTube University. And, the, you know, the social media makeup artist. How, what, how do you explain that? you know, TV and film makeup versus like social media makeup or, you know, YouTube makeup? What, how, how do you, if they wanted to cross over, you know, cause sometimes it, it, they, they want to, they, like, they love what we do, you know, they love what you do, okay. you know, but how, how would you get that? You know what I mean? It's just like that little bit of, I,
2: I do, I do because it becomes like, okay, for me, I started out long before social media, you know, so I learned the. Uh, you know, yeah, I I learned. You know, I used to buy like textbook VHS tapes that other makeup artists had made DVDs, and I I did a lot like self taught stuff for me because you know I just went back to the old school way of learning things, and then as time went on, you know. You, you learn things on the job. When you work with other people, like when I did background and I worked with a bunch of makeup artists, you can pick up excellent skills from somebody else, you know, so I watched a lot. Now, so today, what I tell makeup artists who are, cause I've had people to call me, they may have 20,000 followers, but they don't know how to get a film job. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so they'll call me and ask me what what suggestions I have and again it's the same thing in that just understand like learn your craft. I said it's one thing to do a beautiful modern makeup, you know, for YouTube. I said but when you're doing something for the 1800s, you have to do the research, you have to do the history. You really have to study the historical details, what was available for them at that time, okay? You know, it's, you know, sweat. You know, if you're doing something, there were women who would use cranberries to put blush on their cheek or tap their lips to give it a little hint of color. You know, if I was doing something 1800s in France, you know? You know, just most recently, my Rainey, that was, I did the movie Bessie. And it was, it was from 19, when I did Bessie, it was 1916 to 1937 is what we, what we shot, that, the progression of their lives. And Bessie Smith, my rating was Bessie Smith's mentor. And so I had to learn what was available for Black women at that time. Not much, you know, in terms of makeup. You know, they just didn't have it. So, you know, again, you, you study what they use at the time, the things they use. And those are the things you try to recreate, you know, with a real product.
1: So, you know, um, I like. When you I, let, let's go into how did you break it down? How like when you get the script. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking to like these people who are listening to us because like, how do you break down that script? How do you find the right color? How do you create that? You know? Okay.
2: Like, so this is what I do because I, I love period work. I love period work because I feel like I learned so much. So what I do like is, you know, again, research. If I, if it's a historical character, you know, you may be able to find some things that, well, of course with Bessie and Ma, it was such, they, there weren't many photos and stuff for them, but I've done stuff, you know, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s. So what I would do, is find out which cosmetic companies were in business at that time, Uh. okay? Okay, like there was Revlon, there was Helena Rubinstein, you know, those kind of things. And I would go back and research what lipsticks were launched, you know, during that time. What did Charles Revson of Revlon go door to door with in his bag when he was selling his makeup products? You see, and, and 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 you know and believe this or not, some of Revlon colors from when they first started for first started out are still being sold today, some of those colors, so what I do for my team is I decide what I want the lip palette to be like for the film, and I will buy a palette empty palette, and I buy lipsticks and I put. The five or six shades that I want them to use, whether it's a coral mm-hmm. or a real red or a blue, blue red, or kind of a, like a pinky red, whatever the color palette is for the film. And, and of course, the region, because New York 1930s may not be like Appalachia 1930. Yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, you have some a certain level of class and sophistication and availability for some of the products, whereas somebody who's living in a more rural area would not have those products. Mm-hmm. So and, and so that people don't make mistakes when they are broad brushing the background, I make sure that they have the colors that were available for those times. And because everybody don't wear makeup, mm-hmm. I don't want to see everybody with a red lip So I'll tell my team, every fourth person, don't shake the eyebrows and don't give them lipstick. Mm -hmm. Because in real life, you don't see every person made up every day. You know, so it just makes, it paints a more realistic picture for me.
1: I love period. So I, you know, I can talk about this forever and ever. So we're going to talk about how we met, you know. So you and I, we met on the trip to Boundary. Oh yeah. Yes, Daniel.
2: I want to say one more thing yeah. about the makeup for period. The other thing is, is that I don't do the decade exactly for that period. Like I won't make nineteen thirty seven, nineteen thirty seven for everybody because there are people who hold on to their trends. Mm-hmm. So it might be somebody who still wears a nineteen twenties thin brow. Right. So again, so I like to take like a group to have the decade before and make up just a few, you know, and then maybe somebody at the beginning of the decade we're working in and some who are more true to the day, you know. It's because everybody don't, everybody's not trendy.
0: Right. And we
2: grab, (laughs) you know, everybody, you grab a look and you hold on to it Uh the the whole time. So I just want, I want to say that too, because I just don't like cookie cutter period
1: uh, either no where everyone looks the same and everyone that's it makes it more realistic and that's what we're doing and we're recreating a period a time in in the, a, a period in time and not everyone right. is like you said cookie cutter makeup uh, the the gems that are being dropped on this podcast this is going to go down this might be the most jam-packed information filled podcast i've had oh my, oh my goodness. goodness so yes I had the pleasure of working with Debbie on the trip to Bountiful. Ms. Tyson brought me on. And when I tell you, Debbie, we would wake up so early together and be there for her. We learned, well, I learned so much from how to handle myself on set, how to like navigate the waters of the hair trailer. Holy cow. <laughs> We have Charles Gregory, which was he was definitely a gem to work with. And he had his 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 moments. As we all do. We all, and it's working together as a team. And I did love that you kept calling a team. How do you create that that atmosphere in the trailer and on set? Like how what 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 do you look for in, t- in a team?
2: So for me. I feel as though you're only as excellent as your team. So I want the bright and shiny stars. I'm not afraid of that. You know, I'm not, you know, worried about if they know more than me, if they, you know, do better work than I. Though their art is better than mine. I want what's good for the whole entire film. And I respect. What they come with. I respect their brightness, you know, and their shine. And I want them to have the free reign to execute the plan that I've given them. Mm. You know, I don't micromanage. Mm. You know, I will, you know, a yes, if you're doing something wrong, I do know how to pull you to the side very gently and, you know, make a correction without the actors knowing or another teammate knowing. But it is. So I can't emphasize how important it is to have peace and harmony in the workspace, because I think everybody can do their best work. The cats come in in the morning and they this is where they get started. So it needs to be a peaceful environment. You know, it needs to be a joyful environment. But at the same time, a very effective and efficient environment. So that we can get the work done and get them out there in the mood that they need to be in in order to 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 deliver their lines and you know, concerning all the beats and everything that they have to do during the day. So, you know, it just it's just I just I just feel like it's important. And the simple things that I can the best the most simplest answer is I treat everyone the way I'd like to be treated.
1: Mm-hmm. And you do. When I, oh, just waking up and don't forget, it is early. We're early. We're in the middle of nowhere. Uh, There is always a smile on Debbie's face. Every, every, uh, you could not not look at her. Well, maybe the overnight. The overnight one was rough for all of us. I think we were all really tired, but that was the only time I didn't get to see that beautiful smiling face. (laughs) (laughs) And that's
2: what I hate about today because, I would lead into the room with a smile, you know. Now it's mask, you I know? know. I'm trying to think, how can they know that I'm smiling, you know? So I have smiling eyes, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm like I'm trying to not get Botox now because I need to use my eyebrows. <laughs> right. <laughs> so can see. Oh my gosh. So I want to know because you you have such a calm demeanor. You can calm any soul. Like I, how, 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 <laughs> how do you stay so calm, especially in this world? Well, right now the temperature is a little weird, but like how, like even, cause we're talking like six, seven years now that, that I've known. Oh yeah. Right? So yeah. Like, like, it's leaps and bounds. How do you, how, like, do you meditate? Do you go on long walks? What's your, what's your decompression? Because how do you stay so calm in these, these, these tough times? Uh, look, let me tell you, I pray all the time. You know, I believe in something
2: greater than myself. So yes, I do. I, I pray all the time. And one of the prayers that I use uh, for work or anything, but especially work, because I pray for the entire cast and crew, you know, silently. You know, they don't even know. But one prayer that I have is deliver us all to our excellence, Mm -hmm. you know, and and then because I want everybody to have the best day and do the best work. And so I just try to keep that inside of me. And I'm not there are people who are, I guess, rebel rousers and stuff. And I give everyone the benefit of the doubt until they prove otherwise. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I will try to bring you to the bright side and the calm side. But if you decide not, then my blinds kind of go down, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> I can block it out because I can't have anybody destroy my peace. Mm. Mm. You know, so, you know, and or the peace, my team or, you know, it, because you know, it, it's the people are having tough times. And I feel like even more so now this last year has been very challenging For so many people, I feel like that I have even more patience and empathy because I don't know what that person is going through Mm. outside of what I see in my workspace, you know? So I don't know. And I would rather walk up to them if they seem to having a bad day or something like that, like, and just ask them, are you okay? Is there anything that I can do to help? you know, just to let people know that you're thinking about them in a different way. Oftentimes, when you approach it that way, people tend to calm down. You know, they tend to look at themselves if they're, you know, if they have an out-of-body experience, I'm giving you a chance to, you know, just this, this, this bring it down a bit. So again, you know, it's just, again, treating people the way you want to be treated and Trying to, again, trying to give people room to self-reflect and self-correct. Mm.
1: That, that needs to be a quote on a t-shirt. Oh. <laughs> okay, so out of every show that you've ever worked on, which one do you have the best memory of? Like, what, always, what do you always, like, you know... on a show and something just pops up like what keeps like which show was it and what like
2: oh my god I feel like I bring such great memories from like just so many I mean like I always can find stuff on like every show you know that I do I I really enjoyed doing the the Watchmen because every episode was different you know we were in a different time we were in the future we (laughs) were in the past you know, and that just made it so creatively, you know, juicy. You know, I had something to sink my teeth into. I enjoyed doing The Wire way back when, you know, again, it was fast moving episodes and it was so realistic. Trip to Bountiful. It was just wonderful working with Miss Cicely Tyson, you know, and it, I mean, and then meeting all of you guys it was just a beautiful, beautiful show. And even though it was like, the changes in her were subtle, but they were profound. Oh. Like, you know, like she got brighter and brighter as she got closer, you know, to Bountiful, you know? So it was just like, you, you know, everything is not like, you know, like right there, but you could get it in the story and then the little nuances, you know, in her looks, you know? Gotta say. I I I honestly I I don't think there's any project that I've done that I absolutely hate. You know. No, they're not.
1: Okay. You know. So congratulations, you won a guild award. Congrats, congrats.
2: Thank you so much. It is such a blessing and such a pleasure working with such an outstanding talented team. So, and and let me just I I wanna talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So my Rainy, I was not the department head. You know, I was not the key. I was working on Watchmen at the time when my friend called me and said, look, it call it's Carl Fullerton and Matikianoff. They said, Carl and I know that you're doing a huge show and you've been doing it for a while and you're probably tired and want to go home, but we want to know if you would come to uh, Pittsburgh to run background for us because of this period. We just wanna make sure everything looks the way it's supposed to look. And I said, absolutely. So I wasn't the key. I was not the department head. I was not the third, I was not the personal. I was the background supervisor. And I went there to work as hard for my friends as I would work for myself. And I feel like the blessing is, I, I I got, you know, not just such a beautiful picture a film, oh, yeah. but, and I tend to think a win for one is a win for all, but to actually be able to get an award, you know, and not just a nomination, was just, just the icing on the cake for me, you know? Because in my mind, even when films win awards and makeup and hair haven't been nominated, I know makeup, hair, costume had a lot to do with <laughs> them getting their awards. So a win for one is a win for all. <laughs> I, I
1: miss you so much.
2: Oh my I, goodness. Oh you have my, no
1: idea. Uh, uh, it, and working with great people, I, you and you didn't have to be as kind as you were to me. I was a young little sprout. <laughs> I was you feel the, a young sprout just the how you how you carry yourself has really rubbed off on me and how i like love running a room and running a department it really like i i look up oh. to you immensely so oh yeah,
2: daniel
1: literally i'm i'm so thrilled to have you on my podcast That I mean that should be at the end but I'm just really honored that you would you would come on and talk oh Daniel
2: are you kidding me anything you know anything you are so talented and you are so sweet and again we don't know everything you came in from theater <laughs> to film and you know your craft you know your craft but there are some things again that we don't always know And I just believe that, you know, our gifts are not just for us, but they are to add value to the lives of others. And if I can teach you or show you something that's going to make your job easier, you know, or make you feel more comfortable, and you're such a wonderful person, I knew that you wouldn't take the, I guess, the love that I gave you and use it against somebody. I knew that you would do the same. You know, cause that's what we do. We just have to keep passing it along. We
1: do. And I feel that it's so hard in our industry. I know they're, they're like the new and the old versions of what we're of the union people. And like, and it's hard to get information and people think that I don't want it to die with me. Like that's, you know, no. people have invested in me and, and like, and just from watching. You know, that's really yes. just from watching how someone carries himself. You can really learn so much. And you just you just give so freely, like every like you would give the shirt off your back.
2: <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> like, you know, it's so funny. You know, when I hear people say things like, you know, and I, I'm just saying that there, there, just a couple of things that I just remember one hairstylist said to me. She said. She said you don't really know the effect that you have on people. She said when you walk in the room, you change the temperature, you know. And I, I did not honestly. I guess I couldn't get it until I think I worked with like Mahershala on. I, it was True Detective. I had worked with Mahershala on Treme years ago, Mahershala Ali, and and I felt like. When he stepped on the trailer, that's the thought that came to my mind. He changes the temperature. He comes in. He speaks to everyone. He smiles. He introduces himself. And the thing, And then I was thinking, okay, I do do that, you know? And then his assistant said to me recently when we worked, she said, you know, Mahershala watches you. And he said, look at Miss Debbie over there. I know she's over there blessing that person's life, you know? I, you know what I'm saying? I don't even know that I'm doing, it's just that I have eyes that can see. And when I see that someone needs a little assistance, I, I feel like I'm witnessing it because that's what I'm supposed to do, you know? So, you know, it's it's a, it's a gift and it's a, I'm so grateful, uh-huh. you know. You know, and if you can spread the love, you know, and encourage other people to spread
1: it, they will. Uh-huh. So, okay, on that, what what would you what advice would you give to your younger self if you knew what you knew now? What would you what would you tell yourself, your younger self just starting out? Like, what would you what would you tell yourself?
2: You know, I had this a few years ago. Somebody asked me this question and I honestly said I probably would do everything all over the the same way because you learn you learn from your mistakes. Mm -hmm. you know and grow you know that I mean we you make so many you know along the way and you know and then sometimes there are people who have grace that will you know like see you through and then there are other people who like would just shut it down I remember I was doing a film in DC I can't even remember the name of it but Michael Douglas was in it and I was going out to touch up somebody. You know, it's like usually D.C. is something with the CIA or FBI. I, I don't even know what I was doing. But anyway, the name of the film, because there was so many that were coming to D.C. And, and so I remember setting my set bag on top of the picture car. <laughs> I remember the, the look that the first A.D. gave me. Can you please remove your bag from the picture car, you know, you know they shine it down every take. I'm just look. I just need an extra hand to, you know, touch up this blood or whatever I was doing, you know. And, and I, I just need to think that, but, but you know, but like I said, your 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 mistakes you will remember. You know, the thing is, you just don't repeat it. <laughs> You'll never do that again.
1: <laughs> ever, not ever. <laughs> oh my God, what? what technical advice would you give a makeup artist?
2: Honestly, you know, because everybody have their their special skills, but this is what I'd like to say, and especially to people who are doing YouTube and stuff like that. When I'm doing film and television, I'm doing character makeup. So I don't like to see people waking up in the morning looking like they're on a soap opera with a full face of makeup. I don't want to see characters, every face beat. You know, I like to see realness. So if they have maybe a blemish or two, if it's just, it could be just a scene that this person is in. And if I think the blemish looks good for the character, let's keep the blemish. I just don't want everybody completely, their face is so beat they look like they, you know, that they, they have a mask on. You know, because it doesn't suit the character. If you're a sweaty drunk, I want you to be a sweaty drunk, you know? So I'm gonna redden around your eyes, you know, and, you know, maybe paint some capillaries on your cheeks and your nose and, you know, and and put sweat on you. I don't want you, you know, looking like maybe how the person wants to look when they go out and meet their friends, you know? I want them. look like the character that I've just read because I want to lift those words off the pages and put it on screen.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, you want to make it believable. And when you have everybody in the show looking beautiful unless it is part of the story, you know, it's unrealistic (laughs) to me.
1: Oh my gosh. So much information. I'm so so what, what are you working on next? What, can you say, can you even say?
2: Yeah, absolutely, yes. So I have two, I just finished a project with Mahershala and that was called Swan Song. You know, that's a film and I'm sure that'll be coming out later this year. It was him and Glenn Close and Naomi Harris. It was lovely, 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 you know, people to work with. And, and then of course, I'm getting ready to start a pilot called The Spook Who Sat By The Door. This was a book back in the early 70s. I think it was written, you know. And, and then after that one, I am going back to The Wire team, the uh-huh. people who did The Wire. And they have many series coming out for HBO called We Own This City. You know, it's not about The Wire, but it's definitely about, you know, the city so the <laughs> writing is so excellent from that team and i'm just really looking forward to um both of these projects very very different projects but looking both because the ones that spook is set by the door is set in the late 60s early Ooh. 70s so that's nice period work yeah Oh, oh my. And you know, kind of like 1970s was my era. So <laughs> I, can't, I mean I can't I can't wait to put a stamp on it.
1: <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh. I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing this. You did not have to oh. spend your time with me and with everyone who's listening. I just appreciate you so much. I love your social media and what you've been doing with it. So please keep going mm-hmm. with it. Where can people find you? What is your what is your social media handles?
2: Okay, my social media handle for uh, Instagram is Debbie and that's a four letter Debbie, D E B I makeup. Boom. Debbie makeup. And, and of course on Facebook, and I, I I put things over there, but mostly it's Instagram for me. Yeah, it's, um, it's just Debbie Young, D E B I Young.
1: Uh I appreciate you so so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can wait to work.
2: You have no idea what a joy, pleasure, and honor it was for me to be on your show. I'm so proud of you, and you do such beautiful work. And I love the fact that you're teaching, teaching, teaching all the time. And I just wish nothing but the best for you. You can call me on your show anytime.
1: That means so much. Don't make me cry.
2: Oh my gosh. Anytime. Thank thank you.
1: you. Thanks for tuning in to another exciting episode of Wig Hackers. I love talking about all things hair and wigs. So if you have questions, comments, queries, concerns, come follow me on Instagram. I have so much information there, at Daniel Official. I love helping and inspiring other hair artists and enthusiasts, so don't be afraid to reach out. And remember, do your hair because if you're looking good, you're feeling better.